All right, quick, uh, quick disclaimer at the very start, because uh, you know it's always kind of a bummer when we watch these classic, beloved British shows and uh, and then we don't like them, and then we just get angry comments because people are upset that we didn't like them. So just a slight spoiler alert, just to let you know what you're gonna hear here. We didn't really like the original series, The Likely Lads. So if you're listening to that and you're like annoyed, like how dare these people? Just wait, just hold on. Just wait till we get to whatever happened to The Likely Lads because it's a total turnaround. We thought that show was really good. So that's all I want to say at the start. Okay, here's the episode. All right, so for this week, I got a slightly unexpected thing. Do you remember we watched Columbo because those British guys who do uh, a wrestling podcast, they were talking about how great Columbo was, and that just gave me, like, oh, sure, let's watch Columbo. So that happened again, but this time it's a British show called The Likely Lads. Have you ever heard of this show? No. So specifically, there's a whole bunch of, there's a lot of English people that do uh, wrestling media in general and i think it's because of the time zone difference like you gotta really care about wrestling if you live in england because it doesn't start till two in the morning you know it's not a casual thing so there's a lot of uh wrestling journalism type stuff that goes on in england and for whatever reason a lot of it is in the north is uh newcastle upon tyne has like a bunch of different quite well-known wrestling websites <laughs> i have no Real idea blue collar country yeah i have no idea why this specific place and i have no idea why they even brought this up i went back and listened and there is no logical follow-through that i could find they were just talking about one wrestling match after this they start talking about the next wrestling match that happened but in the middle one of them just says hey whatever happened to the likely lads you remember that show and for two minutes they just talk about how amazing this show was <laughs> so i've got that clip so i'll play it for you in a second but that's what i love about this podcast normally if that happened i'd be like oh that's interesting i never heard of that show before but i might not think to follow it up and then even if i did remember a week or two later i'd be like what was that show called i just wouldn't even you know it would just slip away but because we're watching old TV shows, this is like, this was so nice about doing this podcast. This is the perfect opportunity to just be like, all right, that's what we're doing this week. Again, it just came out of nowhere. I have no idea why they brought this up. I'd never heard of it before, but it sounded really cool because as they explain here, there was a show in the 60s called The Likely Lads about these two, these two guys from the Northeast, from Newcastle upon Tyne. They're from that town. And then in the 70s, like seven years later, they did another show called Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads with the same two guys. And I'm like, that's just cool. That sounds neat. Never heard of it. Looked it up. Managed to find episodes of both series. So I guess we'll do that this week. <laughs> All right. Let's watch the Likely Lads and then find out what happened to them yeah. seven years later. So I've got some uh, info about this in general. But first, let me just play the clip. So this is what led to all of this. This was, and again, this just came out of freaking nowhere. I have no idea why, why they just suddenly brought this up. But here's the clip. Actually, hold on, wait, before I start this, I do need to explain something because it's this, this uh, term that's floating around now. It's just one of these slang terms that I'm sure will go away in the next couple of years. But for now, it's used all over the place. But specifically in wrestling, this caught on because if you call yourself the greatest of all time, you can abbreviate that to the GOAT. So you might say, like, Chris Jericho's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time wrestler. And then that term got transposed into GOATED. You could say something, if you like something, you say it's GOATED. Because they say that so many times there. Oh, that was a GOATED show. 
So I just thought I should explain that because that's what that means, that this was one of the greatest shows. But it's a weird term if you don't know what it means. Whatever happened to the likely lads? Oh, absolutely goated. BBC sitcom. Ooh, what happened to you? Whatever happened to me? What became of the people we used to be? Oh, God, the past was better. <laughs> Things were just better. Whatever happened to the likely lads was a colour 70s sitcom mm-hmm. version of a black and white 60s sitcom, which was really quite goated, actually, in which two friends, Terry and Bob, it was like a five or ten year break between the comedy The Likely Lads when they were youngins yeah. about town and whatever happened to The Likely Lads when they were kind of old men that had, one of them had settled down, one of them I think had fought in a war maybe or something, but they'd basically gone in very different paths and they were suddenly oh, yeah. brought back together. And I would argue that whatever happened to was actually better than the original Likely Lads. And you'll never guess where it's set. The northeast of England. Newcastle upon Tyne. Yeah, the like, greatest part of this great nation. I, uh, like They could do whatever happened to Friends. I'd watch it. Unseen characters, I'm just on the Wikipedia. Nigel Little Hutch Hutchinson, a sex mad pal who always has a racing tip for Terry. <laughs> the past wasn't always better, I suppose. <laughs> that was good. Most famous episode of that people always talk about, isn't it, is them trying to avoid, avoid the score. Yes. They, uh, the past was better, so they had to wait until the extended highlights were going to be on later that day. So they're just moving from... So seven, season one, no hiding place. There's a great long-form film of whatever happens to the lighthouse as well. Proper good, really like earnestly, very, very good. Rodney Bues. Um, from long form films to incredibly short matches. <laughs> Samojo beats a Pentago in like a second. Yeah. And they just go right back into talking about wrestling. I don't know what the hell that even was. Why'd they bring that up? <laughs> but I'm glad something they did. Means, it means something to them. Yeah, and I mean, it just sounds neat. And I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, I'm always expecting to like these things and we just kind of hope like oh this this British sitcom that obviously they hold in high regard and it's like hey why not this will probably be cool and usually I'd say more often than not we do like these things but you never know there's always that like I think of uh, Till Death Us Do Part that show that became uh, All in the Family that it was just it's just a miserable show just not fun to watch and people commented like how dare you it's a classic and I'm like sorry we like the other classics but sometimes so anyway, I'm expecting that we'll like this, but who knows? I guess we'll see, right? I guess that's the kind of the point. So let me just give you the quick rundown. I mean, they basically explained it there, but The Likely Lads is a British sitcom broadcast by the BBC in three series between 1964 and 1966. There were 20 episodes. However, due to the BBC's scrubbing policy of the time, only 10 have survived. Uh, just I hate it every time. I hate every time I hear that. But at least ten of them survived, not none of them. The show follows the friendship of two young men, Bob and Terry, two average working-class lads growing up in the industrial Northeast whose hobbies are beer, football, and girls. They're streetwise, yet they stumble into one scrape after another as they struggle to enjoy the swinging 60s on their meager incomes. <laughs> so that's the original series. I'll tell you more about uh, whatever happened to the likely lads after. But uh, of the 10 that still exist, I believe these are on YouTube. I got them from somewhere else, but if you want to watch along, if not these specific episodes, there definitely are some on YouTube. But I got the first episode, just again to get the groundwork since we've never seen this before. Let's get in at uh, Grand Zero. And then I've got Season 1, Episode 6, The Suitor, for no particular reason. Just, just grabbed one. So let's go. The Likely Lads from 1964. 
All right, for the sake of bookkeeping, uh, we did watch the first episode, and then the other one I've got, it was labeled episode six, but I think that must have meant episode six of the ten that remain, because it was actually series two, episode four, Last of the Big Spenders, just to set the record of what exactly we did watch. However, who who cares? Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, this is leaning a lot more toward the Till Death Us Do Part feeling. I mean, I guess I liked it better than Till Death Us Do Part because the guy in Till Death Us Do Part was more annoying. But this definitely leans toward the just uh, annoying self-downtrodden. Like, not even a character that is really even that bad off or is even in that bad of a situation but that they just feel so bad for themselves. Like, just feeling sorry for yourself is not a joke. That's not enough to hang a plot Well, the dark-haired guy, now, in fairness to him. Bob? He okay, Bob. He <laughs> tried to be a little upbeat about all this stuff that was going on. But that other character with the supposed rubber face, yeah. I don't even remember his name, but... He's Terry. <laughs> Terry. What an annoying person. Yeah, it's like, it's a little disappointing because at first, you know, we're kind of having to lean in. You got to really listen because, you know, British accents are a little tough to begin with for, for North Americans. And this is that Northeast accent that I only really know from listening to wrestling podcasts. Not exactly, uh, not, not really versed in it. So, you know, it takes a little while. At first you think maybe we're just not quite following what's happening. But then you do piece together what's happening and what's happening is nothing. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, just very mundane plots. Very, very, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could describe it. Well, let's just describe that first episode because it's so strange. So Bob and Terry go for, uh, they go on holiday, their first holiday to Spain. And uh, it's like there's this French girl that Bob liked but he was hemming and hawing and not talking to her. So finally, Terry went over to relay the message, my friend Bob likes you, which these people are in their 20s. Like, this is like some stuff that would happen in junior high. This is some sixth grade stuff. So that's weird to begin with. But then Terry is like, uh, guess what, Bob? I didn't even give her your, I guess he was going to go give her his address. Hey, person I never talked to that I believe is French. Or hardly talk to. I don't. They know her name somehow. I don't know. And uh, she had a French-sounding name. Here's my address, I guess, in case you ever happen to be in Newcastle, you could come hang out with us. But then guess what, Bob? I gave her my uh, address actually. Ha ha. Whatever. Okay. Then this lady does show up, and it's like, oh, geez. Okay. I guess Terry's got a date now with the French girl. But they do express at great length that Bob is the one who's into foreign food and foreign culture and likes foreign people. Not Terry. Terry just is just a, he just likes England. But then they go meet up with this French girl and it turns out she's not French. She's Welsh. And all of a sudden it's like flip-flopped because I guess because they told everybody back at the pub they're bringing a French girl. So yeah, Terry gets that face you mentioned. Just his like, oh, I can't believe it. What's happened face? that just is stuck there for the whole rest of the episode. And he's so disappointed because this girl speaks English. Yeah. Because she's from Wales. And I'm saying, well, gee, when they were over there in Spain, did they never speak to her? Like, yeah. why on earth would they think that she's French number one, can't speak English number two, so much so that he goes and gets a little self-help book in learning to speak French, 
Um, and then finally they meet her in England and she speaks English and he's just so broken up. And so, well, like, what kind of a relationship did he have with her in Spain, for heaven's sake? Yeah, it made really no sense. Like, no no sense at all God. how they know this Ridiculous. woman or what, what happened there. <laughs> but yeah, he should still be over the moon that this she's still really hot. And if anything, we've established he should like her better, that she's only Welsh. <laughs> she's <laughs> you know, she from be... Wales, though. And, and so obviously <laughs> there's something going on there between the Brits and the Wales, or the English the and, the, and yeah. the Welsh. like that. I guess. I mean, she might as well have been dirt on his shoe the way he was treating her and reacting to her. But then if that were the case, how come she was fine with, you know, if there's some kind of Northeast England versus the Welsh battle, she seemed to be unaware of it. But anyway, then she introduces her friend, who is French, and now it's like, oh, I guess Bob does get to hang out with a French girl. And Terry's just like, oh, you lucky. You lucky so-and-so. Yeah, because I just got this person who's like shit on my shoe from Wales. <laughs> so it's like a combination of contrived and boring. It's like, well, who cares anyway? <laughs> who cares about any of this shit? <laughs> and then the second one is kind of similar. Just they get these... Uh, it's a little more straightforward of a plot. They get dates with these girls from London who work for a mop company, and then they take them out, and it's a very expensive date. So then the, the one kind of joke is that there's these guys they know from their work who are making moves on their ladies. So they go, hey, are you, you making moves on our ladies? But then the joke and the twist is, well, go ahead, take them bowling, get them out of here. They're too expensive for us. So it's like, okay, that's a little funny. But... Uh, Basically, I'd say, yeah, not off to a great start. I mean, this was, again, just our, our grounding. And according to the wrestling guy, it's whatever happened to the Likely Lads that's the uh, truly goaded show. <laughs> so. And we'll watch it, but I'm at the point of, like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm pretty worried because I they do have... fade into oblivion. So I do have the first episode so we can see how the lads reunite. Okay, well, hold on. Let me give you the rundown now of whatever happened to the Likely Lads. All right, Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads, a British sitcom broadcast on BBC One between 1973 and 1974. It was the color sequel to the mid-1960s hit The Likely Lads. There were 26 episodes over two series, a subsequent 45-minute Christmas special in 1974, and a feature film in 1976. So this, it really took off at this point. It's clearly very popular. So at the end of the original series in 1966, a depressed and bored Bob attempts to join the army but is rejected because of his flat feet. Terry, who decides at the last minute to enlist to keep Bob company, is accepted and shipped away for three years. So it's kind of an interesting way to end that series that Terry ends up having to go off to the military by himself. So the 1970s series, they've, I guess, you know, re Done their re duty. Yeah, or one of them has. Who knows what the other one has been doing, but we'll see. The 1970s series plays on both lads' feelings of nostalgia for the lost days of their reckless youth. Both of them are depressed by the demolition of so many of the landmarks of their childhood, though Bob, who works for a construction firm, sometimes sees it as progress. And at first I was saying too how like maybe this is just not only that the accents are hard to follow, but maybe this is just too far outside of our cultural milieu that, you know, we just don't, just can't follow this. But then I was thinking about how there were all these Andy Cap books in your dad's room, my grandfather's room. He had all these old Andy Cap comic book collections and I loved those. I fucking love them. Early Andy Cap, later on it got a little whitewashed and it wasn't that good, but those early ones, I was like a kid and I loved him. I thought Andy Cap was the funniest guy. So I went and looked it up and yeah, he's from Northeast England. He's from that area. And I don't know, he's always like his wife's yelling at him because he 
won't stop spending all his dole money on drinking and he keeps walking home drunk and falling in the canal and he was i love andy cap andy cap's the best so it's not that i can't at all follow you know the the life of the northeast englander because i andy cap was no problem but this is just like i don't know man it's just it's just the boring version of it <laughs> it's uh, and, and again that that face like the guy really putting on the face like he's just in the worst bind of all time but i don't know maybe because it's an early sitcom i don't know it just feels like all of these situations needed to be ratcheted up significantly like you really got to be put in a situation of like man i've really put my foot in it i'm really embarrassed i can't let anybody know what's happened not oh no i don't i don't get a beautiful french girl that fell into my lap it's a beautiful welsh girl that's not a problem that's not a that's not a plot that's nothing <laughs> you know so anyway we'll see now how uh, how the next one goes it's a theme song So yeah, I didn't uh, mention this at the start, but uh, this show it was uh, written by Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, and they did both series. And I just wanted to mention them because because uh, that second series, whatever happened to the Likely Lads, is so much better than the first one. It's so shocking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent! It's it's excellent. It's got a good storyline, great acting. You could pick it up any anywhere along without, you know, if you had never seen the first one, this one is so well presented that you don't really need yeah, need the first one. They just make enough references to the good old days that it's efficient. That's one thing, though, I think is neat because it doesn't happen that often. But uh, it's neat that even though we didn't like the first series, it's neat that there was the first series because it does kind of lend it a certain extra weight, you know, that these really were two characters from the previous decade. Like... Uh, it reminds me of, from my generation, there was that movie Train Spotting that was really famous in the 90s about the Scottish drug addicts, the four of them, and their things that happened. They made a Train Spotting 2 20 years later, and it was just a weird thing to do, a completely unnecessary film, <laughs> not nearly as good as the first one. But the best part of it was that the two main guys, Renton and Sick Boy, hadn't seen each other in 20 years, and they rekindled their friendship. And it's similar to this, where it would have been okay by itself, but the fact that we've seen these people and they really were friends in this other thing, it just makes it better. So this reminds me of that, where it's like, I'm glad that there was the original series, even though I, I don't want to watch any more of it, because <laughs> it does add an extra layer to this one. This one, though, has, and I think the five-year thing was a perfect bit. Like, they gain just a little bit more maturity. Whereas if it had been 20 years, it would have been completely different. They would have been probably married. They'd have grown children. But this is, uh, they're just sort of beginning to kind of get their lives together. He, one of them's going to be married. The other one apparently is married. With a with a marriage that seems it must be on the rocks or something, but that five year just enough maturity that uh, they're 
they're the same characters, but different and much, much better. But yeah, no, that's true. Because in the case of Train Spotting, that was one of the things that made it so weird is that it took so long for them to get the sequel together. 20 years is just way too, especially now that I know a little more about, like, I've been to the Netherlands and stuff. That's what happened in Train Spotting is Renton went to Amsterdam. And now that I realize you could take an $18 Ryanair, 18 pound Ryanair flight, you know, from there to Scotland, like it's, it's such a small, it's just weird to stay away for that long. And in the book, I think it was only 10 years, the book it was sort of based on. So yeah, this, you're right, this is a good amount. And it's also good that it's like, uh, like that guy, Terry, we were saying how much we didn't like him in the old series, how annoying he was. He's still that guy, but it's not just so, uh, baseless and aimless at least now he's been taken down a notch from his years in the military for one thing so he's not as obnoxious but now at least when he's got his woe is me routine it's about his mysterious injury and just his tough times in the military and like at least there's something worth complaining about there's some about. substance there whereas in the early one they're just stupid young men yeah uh interested in who knows what just going out there and getting <laughs> some girls and getting laid but five years later, yeah, it just gives them, yeah, more substance, more depth. They're, they're definitely better. For, uh, quite, quite a good show with this one. It really is, too. Uh, I mean, I just recently kind of went through this same transition where it's a bit earlier because this was, you know, a, a more responsible generation probably. But from them going from their late 20s to their early 30s and, like, now it's marriages and jobs and real-life stuff, where for me that took longer, but... Uh, like, I just lived in an apartment with a bunch of dudes till I was, like, 35, you know? <laughs> From, like, 30 to 35, we all lived together. We had a great time. Now all those guys, they all have wives and kids and they moved away from Toronto you know and it's just like uh, nuts you know the good old days are gone so for me it was five years further down the road but but that exact same transition into like we can't just goof off anymore we can't just watch dumb movies and play video games and go to the bar and it's like uh, darn that was fun <laughs> but, but you can't hold it, it against it was fun them. but it can't go on forever yeah, yeah, like, I, I certainly wouldn't say, like, hey, you guys should uh, abandon your families so we can all live in an apartment again. Like, you know, it would make no sense. Well, it could maybe go on forever if the parties involved never grew and never changed. But somebody in that mix is going to do the standard thing of house, car, relationship, children. Yeah, it would become increasingly sad the longer it went on. If, uh, Yeah, again, it's one thing if I'm just the weird outlier who uh, continues to live a weird life. But if everybody did that, it'd be like, what is wrong with my friend group? What is wrong with these people? <laughs> I thought they <laughs> you know, had their shit together a little more than this. Well, that was a pleasant surprise. I was expecting possibly a regurgitation of the earlier show, but... Yeah, well, no, they, they, they did a good job on that second set. It's it's far superior to and the first. As uh, yeah, just from whatever random British stuff we've watched. Again, I'm not especially familiar with British TV. Well, that's one thing I thought was interesting too. Those guys on the wrestling podcast who brought this up, they're in their early to mid 30s right now, and they still speak this glowingly about this show that wasn't. They weren't even alive when this came out. <laughs> so that's interesting, just in general. That just how much British TV, you know, just, I mean, it makes sense, of course, that British people are more aware of British TV than we are, but they're way more aware. They absolutely knew what this show was. They, this is a famous show to them. You know, our knowledge is much spottier, but 
Now that I look back at what we have watched of British shows, to me there's a huge difference between the 60s and the 70s. Once you get to the 70s, we're in Monty Python land, everything's great, there's all kinds of shows that I like. The 60s, there hasn't been any. We've had The Larkins, which I didn't like, we've had The Likely Lads, which I didn't like, and we've had Till Death Us Do Part, which I didn't like. And then you did bring up, though, weirdly, if you go back to the 50s, there's Billy Bunter, which I did like. <laughs> so. In the early 50s, when television for them was really just starting to gain momentum again after World War II. So I don't know what was going on in the 60s, but just, yeah, the shows are so self-defeated and just bland and dour. I don't know, maybe we'll find one eventually. But yeah, again, it's just remarkable. You get to the 70s and it's like, boom, all right, we're here we go, we're all back in. Oh yeah, so I also wanted to mention, we actually intended to watch, again, the same way with season one, we got the episodes a little different than what we said. We were going to watch episode one and episode seven, because seven is the big famous episode of whatever happened to the Likely Lads. But the second series is a lot more serialized. So the first episode was about these two meeting each other again on a train after not seeing each other for five years. So I didn't want to just jump ahead because I wanted to see episode two when Terry actually finally gets back to Newcastle and reintegrates back in. So that's another sign of how much I liked it. It's like I didn't want to... I was invested enough in the situation and in these characters that I didn't want to skip ahead. I wanted to see how that went. <laughs> and he very much turns back into, even more so, the, the Terry from the old series once he's back home. It's like he could just stay at his parents' house, but uh, it's so empty and they're not home and it's cold and big. <laughs> you know? He's very quickly backsliding back into his old way. But still, yeah, so much better. And then I figure uh, I'll keep that episode seven and we can watch it next week after whatever else we do. But yeah, night and day. Just, uh, I'm very, very pleasantly surprised because I was so worried after the first show. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> this is just going to be another case of us just shitting on a beloved British classic and having all the British people tell us to go to hell. And both characters are, I, w I won't say necessarily likable, but they're very, very realistic. They're not... Uh, they're not panning to the camera and playing up to it and a little bit of overacting, which the first series seemed to have. This one was very, um, it was well done. Um, and the characters have turned into very realistic people. They're, and Terry does not go around with that rubber face that he was using <laughs> in the first series. He did a little bit of it, but it was actually... Uh appropriate but it went yeah it, it it fit the scene in in the other show the earlier show he, he every you couldn't couldn't even look at him once without him putting on some kind of a oh whoa is me yeah because uh, even just from a surface level of how to write a funny sitcom the second series was so much better right away where the jokes were more clever where like his uh his injury, he's constantly bringing up his in his injured leg from the war, but anytime someone asks, oh, I never talk about it, even though he constantly talks about it. So, I mean, that already is better than any joke that was in the first and he, series. And he's just using it. You know, there's not a thing wrong with his leg. He's just using all that for attention-seeking. Yeah, or maybe there's a little something, but certainly, yeah, I not enough to get I, all hanged I, up. I suspect there's not a thing. It's just when he thinks that people aren't going to sympathize with him or or they're going to send him on his way, he starts with the injury of the leg. <laughs> right, well, because this also becomes pretty apparent that, yeah, whatever he did in the military wasn't, like, the military. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's the late 60s, early 70s. So he wasn't in any wars or anything. <laughs> but uh, uh, the other thing, though, is when he did pull the face, it was actually appropriate because there was, a like, a sitcom gag, you know, which 
I guess you could argue maybe it's the the first series was a little more naturalistic because it didn't have big sitcom setups, but big sitcom setups are funny. <laughs> so in this case, it was Terry's staying in uh, a house that Bob is renovating and getting ready, and Bob's fiance doesn't realize Terry's staying there, so she sneaks in and thinks it's Bob and sneaks into bed with him. So then when Terry wakes up and realizes he's with his friend's wife, that is an appropriate time to pull the face when she's doing the little... This little piggy went to market. <laughs> and really, it wasn't the face so much in that case. He didn't overact because all you could see were the eyes. And his eyes were just like big, wide-open eyes. Like, like, what do I do now? But if that had been in the earlier show, it would have been his whole face with his mouth grimacing and his nose twitching and everything else. This one was just the eyes. That's all you saw. And they were just big... Round eyes, which is believable. You think somebody's laying there thinking, oh, Christ, what do I do now? I'm in bed with my best friend's fiance. Yeah, which again, it's such Who's a... Who's going to believe it? Such a tropey sitcom thing to do, but it's it was set up well, and it yeah. is entertaining. And uh, I like to, I think both the characters kind of came closer to center, because not only did Terry calm down a bit, it seems more like a real person... But Bob also kind of went the other way where he's a lot more assertive and he does seem like he has a lot more personality. In the old show, he was really just a hangdog. He just, oh, I'm in love with some lady or something. Like, I don't know, he just had nothing. And now he's, uh, you know, he's still the more square of the two, but he's a lot more willing to, I don't know, sort of stand up for himself. Or, But then on the other hand, he's Bob's the more square, like I want to be a, a real person, have a, a real career, whatever. But... In some ways, Terry's the more square because he now he's a little more rigid and military and he missed the whole summer of love because he was in, in the army. So he missed out on the long hair and stuff. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a lot more interesting. Like those two characters are, yeah, really good characters where in The Likely Lads, they're <laughs> terrible, terrible And characters. the fiance, Thelma, is an excellent foil for the two of them. Yeah, not a bad uh, mix of like she... You know, at first I was like, because I don't know how, if she was in the old series. We didn't see any of the episodes with her if she was. It's like, oh, she just, she hates Terry, all right. But then once they're all in the mix together, it's a little more, it is more that thing like I was saying with my Toronto apartment. It's like, she's like, if Terry gets back in here, I'm about to get married to this guy and have a normal life. If he gets his claws into my, my husband, he's just going to drag him back into going to the bar and talking up chicks and <laughs> just that life of being a dumb idiot 20-year-old and... Yeah, she can't have that. She can't let that happen. So uh, just to finish off, let's record. I'm just going to record a quick little thing. I'm just going <laughs> to record a, a disclaimer that I'm going to put at the start. Just to let people know, don't leave an angry comment because we didn't like Likely Lads. Hold on. Just hold on till we get to whatever happened too because that's the show that's good and that's the one that we like. <laughs> there we go. Then I'll edit that. <laughs> It'll be like a little circle. Circular podcast.